must be racist. T-shirts are made of cotton. We got to get rid of cotton, man. Hello and welcome to episode number 71 of Grumpy Old Ben's for June 26, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where you might be able to change your name, but you're not able to change the pain you have inside. And from America's left coast where separate but equal is making a comeback, I'm Ryan Bimrose. You know, it is. There is something to be said about all of this stuff going on. Which I think this is one of the main reasons behind this Black Lives Matter group, not the hashtag, not what a lot of people think they're marching for. But I do believe there is a big part of this that wants can, the separate part again. Can, can we just make the distinction between Black Lives Matter, the slogan, which is really hard to disagree with because what you don't like black people or you're a racist and BLM, the organization, which is a front for Act Blue which funnels all of their money straight to the Democrat party. So whenever somebody says go donate to BLM, what they're really saying is try to get more Democrats in office. Well, it's, it's not even that because Bill O'Reilly looked into this and I know I've mentioned him a lot and the sources he's using, he seems to back everything up. He doesn't just throw weird conjecture out there. He doesn't just throw things without being different than us. Right. And he talked about the black lives matter organization how they take the money, and because of the fact that it's partnered with something called a thousand uh, something a thousand currents, I think it was that it was able to be tax deductible, even though Black Lives Matter at this point is not a registered organization that should be able to take tax deductible contributions. But because of this, their books are able to be looked at. So he looked into where the money was going. When it was donated to the Black Lives Matter organization and 71 percent of it, I don't remember the exact breakdown. It was something like 25 percent was for uh, salaries and like another 49 or something percent was for consulting in this other stuff. So basically, the breakdown was 71 percent of the money going to Black Lives Matter, the organization was not getting to anybody who could actually use it. It was not going to make anything better. It was all going into the pockets of the people running. Are you kidding? Joe Biden can use it. (laughs) Maybe that last 29% that goes somewhere. Maybe that's going into Joe's pocket. It won't do anything. The, the, The dude is patently unelectable. And the only reason why he's even on the ballot and anybody even looks at him with a straight face is because then they look over and they see the orange man they're like well he's not trump which by the way is literally his only qualification to be president of the united states is he's not trump and that's good enough for a lot of people that's good enough for a lot of the morons in my state who despite jay fucking insley coming out just this week and saying that uh starting Actually, I think starting today, Friday, uh, masks are mandatory everywhere in the state, no matter where you go, is uh, is his latest proclamation. It is literally called a proclamation like he's the goddamn emperor. And uh, yeah, he's um, 
this is the fault of the morons who go up to their mail-in ballot and vote blue no matter who that that congratulations you you want idiocy in government just make sure that you've got a one-party government that does whatever the hell it wants no competition nobody has any incentive to ever change but i didn't come here to talk about politics sure you did that's part of grumpy old man it's part of what makes you grumpy and with the mail in we talked a lot about the mail-in voting when we did our voting episode and the interesting part is the democrats really really sinking their heels in with the concept well there's no proof that mail-in voting causes fraud and one that's hilarious to me because then otherwise why have we been doing voting the way we have where you go in when we talked about this with dc girl and uh, sir william when we did the voting episode which is why they verify who you are and you have to go to a specific place you can't just walk into any polling place in your state or anywhere in the country and say i want to vote there's a reason for that to verify at least try to verify you are who you say you are and when it comes to mail-in voting that's thrown out the window and one thing i didn't even think of because i just i guess i never really sat down and gave it a lot of time was the fact that fake ballots are going to start being mailed to people if you thought you had russian collusion and interference from foreign governments before what's going to stop them from sending fake ballots to people in states where this is going to be used well um i mean obviously the uh you, you, what will stop them is the integrity and uh, honor of the people in the government. Um, I mean, if you can find any of that, it, you said there's no proof and that's true. You can't prove a causal relationship in a complex enough system like that, especially when you haven't defined your terms very well. Uh, but what I will say is that proof or not, there is certainly evidence that uh, mail-in ballots lead to increased uh, fraud in, in voting. And, uh, there uh, there is there is ample evidence there has been studies done um using well for example washington state who has been doing vote by mail forever um and although this wasn't part of the study one of the things that i would point out is that uh it, it, vote by mail clearly leads to uh more democrats being elected if you take washington as your data set well now what happens if the republican side becomes good at fraud and then we how quick will the democrats what, what do you change mean becomes well better than the democrats i mean i mean this is kind of the bar I, and i i think i think the republicans are playing catch up if, if if you think that they're not in some smoky room swapping notes on how best to defraud the people then you you have you have some delusion of the party being different at the highest level they're not they the only thing that's different is the public face they put on and which base they're pandering to well, yeah, and which, uh, you know, just which, I guess, uh, system that you're using in order to, uh, you know, try to push this. But otherwise, why vote at all? I guess that's the question. If it's all figured out already without any voter input at all, what's really the point? Um, uh, theater, obviously. Right in circuses. If, if you, it, it's, it's propaganda. It is, I mean, okay, first of all, I don't think... I honestly don't think America is so far gone that everything is predetermined. I think that the 2016 presidential election is evidence that voters still have some sway, not nearly as much as as we think we do. But uh, Trump would not have got elected in any that that threw a wrench in 
the globalists plans everywhere. And, and I honestly believe a lot of them were taken by, by surprise by that. Uh, the, the, the elections are not completely rigged from the beginning, but we're getting there. That makes sense. That makes sense. As the technology changes in ways and the more we use technology, I think the worse it gets because of everything we talked about in the voting episode and everything we talk about on a episode by episode basis here, which is the technology that we use to communicate is not secure. No matter what you want to say, no matter what you want to think, the, you know, encryption that's being used can be broken. The, which is why Bitcoin is an interesting thing to look at and john mcafee posted a short video the other morning about what cryptocurrency is because like i guess some people don't know and i thought he gave a pretty good breakdown of it which was it allows you to move wealth without having to ask for anybody's permission you know the example he gave was you know if you want to send money to somebody in iran the united states government's going to go no where we're not going to allow you to do that. You can't do that with a normal bank transfer or something like that. But with Bitcoin, that hurdle's not there because it's a system that you don't need to trust anybody. You don't need to have anything special. And he, he did a pretty good breakdown of that. But then my question was on the heels of there was an article that um, Hewlett Packard or Honeywell, I think, has a new supercomputer that can do, you know, however many computations per second and it brought up the concept that bitcoin the encryption used the concept was now not if it can be broken you're kind of on a clock now with bitcoin and the fact that it's not really if the crypto is going to be undone by having its you know the the crypto part of it figured out and broken because it's all math so I asked well, that to uh, McAfee. All, all, all encryption has has always been on a clock. Uh, I, I mean, if nothing else, Moore's law makes the availability of brute force attacks versus encryption, which always work, but they just take a long, long time to do, depending on your computing power. Uh, the 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 faster and more power computing clusters get, the more likely you're going to be able to brute force something. So no encryption can last forever. No, I, and that's absolutely true. So that's I asked that question on Twitter, not really expecting an answer to McAfee in response to his video about well, what, with these supercomputers and you know Bitcoin and being cracked. And his answer was pretty simple. He says BTC is easy to crack. Privacy coins like Monero and Ghost never. So now this. It brings me to the next question, assuming he's right, and he seems to know a lot about the crypto stuff, and other people are saying Bitcoin's going to eventually get owned. Why Well, so much wealth it, it, in Bitcoin at this point? Because it's going to go to zero at some point. Well, uh, Bitcoin is is benefiting from the network effect. It's the one everybody knows about. It was It was the one that got all of the hype early on and therefore has the most people, and because it has the most people, it gets the most hype, and because it gets the most hype it gets more people that's uh that's network effect in action it, it's the big one and and people flock to the big one it's the um, sucker bet if if you're looking for privacy bitcoin has never been it because the 
entire transaction log of everything everywhere is synced to every Bitcoin client as soon as you connect, which um, kind of defeats uh, any kind of uh, privacy. The, the only thing private or anonymous about Bitcoin is the mapping between wallet numbers and individual identities, which when you cross-reference with enough leaked databases is usually not that hard to, I mean, it's, it's a matter of keeping your, your private data private, which is the, the kind of privacy sanitation steps, the, the little steps that a lot of people will just ignore or, or skip over. Uh, when, when you put enough of them together, that is how people end up with large databases that can tie you to anything you do online. And it's why, uh, you know, the, the little steps like uh, running with an ad blocker, the little steps like turning off trackers in your browser, the little steps like, uh, you know, not allowing your phone to track you everywhere you go. When, when all of that information has you know, just the little tiny bits of data are fed into a computing cluster, then the ability to track you down and go, oh, well, uh, you know, this person went here, 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 and here, and we notice there's a number of Bitcoin transactions at precisely the same moment at each of those locations from this wallet, and this wallet was also used to create, you know, to make a purchase that was sent to this address, which happens to be you know, oh, over here where, oh, and, and here's another leaked database where uh, this address belongs to you, and therefore it becomes pretty easy to go, okay, that Bitcoin wallet is you. So if if you think that that kind of anonymity protects you, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't, and the fact that all of this technology is not secure, and we've seen the story we talked about in the last episode about the marketing database that was leaked there was another story today on the Hacker News about another huge database that had been stolen and was being sold you know, off on one of these black sites. Well, I'm sorry, that, seems, that sounds like racist to say black sites, but yeah, the, I'm, I'm OK with that. The concept that we're, this, we're not going to erase the word from our lexicon, at least you, not during my lifetime. So let's go ahead and use it in the way that it's supposed to. Are you sure? Because that's one of the, the topics for today, all these things that are being renamed. You know what? Uh, GitHub went out and, <laughs> and renamed all repositories. I created a new uh, a new mod uh, repository the other day, and uh, GitHub had changed the default repository name for, to main from master because the, the default repository <laughs> had always been master, and uh, you know, GitHub made a change so that when you create a new one, it's now called main. And I went in. The very first thing I did was I changed that mofo back to master. You are a rebel, my friend. You are a rebel. But the question for well, me mostly becomes, because I have a bunch of scripts that use the word master. I wasn't going to rewrite my damn scripts. So. Let's work. I know. I get it. But when this information exists somewhere, and I'm assuming I mean, we may have talked about this in the thing on voting. I don't remember when you do your mail in voting there in Washington. There has to be some kind of identification number on the ballot they send so they know they're only getting their, you know, I'll do air quotes, legitimate ballots back when people return them. Now, if the database of this information gets out, doesn't this totally negate it when this database gets out? Doesn't this totally negate? The whole concept that the voting can be fair or accurate when if I get the database and somebody will that says, well, Ryan Bemrose, this is the ID number sent to him. So let's duplicate that ballot and fill it out whatever way we want and send it back. Now, what's going to happen 
when the government out there in Washington gets two ballots with matching ID numbers, then what happens? Uh, to be honest, there's a chance they would both be counted. <laughs> now, see, that's I would, sad. I would, I would not be that surprised. However, uh, if if these people have their their crap together, then what actually happens is they would throw out one or maybe both uh if you you know if you want to call them charitable then they would contact me and say uh so we noticed that your ballot but, but that won't happen right uh yeah. i i i think that throwing out one or both is is most likely well dc maybe girl points they, out that it's not on the ballot itself they're identical but the envelopes have the id which is still the same concept so then if i send in an yeah. envelope that matches one that was legit then what? And because the, the ballot that okay, yeah, I, pro- there's I probably really should no have way. mentioned that they because they're not going to use a ballot that wasn't in an envelope, and they do scan the envelopes into uh, versus their database to determine okay, we got this ballot back, which is why I I, I honestly don't think that they would find a way to count both ballots because well, the, they would have to probably, because let's just assume the first ballot comes in, they scan it, and they go great, we have Bemrose's ID, we have his ballot. Now another yeah. Bemrose comes in five days later. That how do you know which one's legit? They don't know what that original uh, ballot was because that's not tied to the ID number. This is ready you, to be screwed. You say that as if they care which one is legit. They <laughs> well, got they, a, they got a ballot back from somebody named Bemrose. That's really the only thing they care about. Uh, it, I, it, I, I don't know. I don't have any transparency into the system that is actually used. But the way I imagine it would be they get the ballot the the envelope has a barcode on it and it also has my signature on the outside of the envelope in the public mail bins and they scan the envelope they look and see that there's a signature they probably take the envelope and put it aside they pull the ballot out put it into a big bin and now now that those are separated you can't tie the ballot to an individual person right and then they get the second one in that has the same barcode they scan it and if their system is not completely retarded, uh, which I, I have to assume it's not 100% retarded, then it'll probably say, sorry, this person already voted, reject it. And then they'll put that envelope, probably with its ballot, in a pile of reject pins, uh, most likely to never be looked at again. So the concept would then be, if you're going to do voter fraud, get your votes in early. Yeah. So I, I am fairly confident that first vote will will always win. Simply because once they've scanned the first one, they separate the ballot from the envelope. They still have the envelope. They still have the data that the envelope was scanned, but the ballot has gone into a giant pile and there's no way to tell whose ballot that was. So when the second one comes in, how do you figure out which ballot to pull out of there? You can't. So it's a recipe for disaster. I don't think there's any question about that. So if if you are going to fraud on somebody's mail-in ballot, just make sure that you mail yours your fraudulent one in first, and you're you'll get your vote counted and you'll get then thrown out. So the concept that you're going to have any kind of group, well, I don't care whether they're uh, foreign or not, somebody's going to be printing up fake ballots and sending them out to people in the hopes of messing with the system, and it's just going to be a question of how big of a crap show it's going to be and how the fallout is going to be taken care of. And I still don't understand why these states are going to the, although maybe this is why 
And so many of these states now were, were being told that the coronavirus is starting to run rampant again. This would definitely be one of the reasons, which is, oh, well, we yeah, need we're, mail we're told voting. a lot of things that aren't true, by the way. Yeah, which, that would make sense, which is why you're being told that, you know, unlike when the rioting and looting and the protesting over George Floyd allegedly was going on, then we were told that, well, no, that's fine. They, they can go. People can go out. It, it's perfectly fine. I mean, we're told that being outside is relatively safe so how hard is it to set up voting booths outside under tents you know if you have to if it's going to rain but the concept of doing voting open air doesn't seem like it should be all that hard uh there's there's also the argument that and and this is of course going to be considered a an anti you know a discriminatory statement but i'll make it anyway uh, in, in today's, it will probably tar me as a racist, but it would be the 74th racist thing I've said so far on today's broadcast. What? Well, wait, were there uh, 73 already? I must've missed at least two. I, I, there, I, I, I don't know. Every time I open my mouth, something comes out. And by the fact that my skin is, is light colored means that it's probably racist. I've, I've given up on <laughs> they, they have, you know what? Congratulations congratulations lefties you have successfully whitewashed the word the word racist does not mean anything anymore it is a useless pejorative that is completely devoid of meaning there is there is no denotative meaning it is just something that you say if you listen to a lot of the people on npr or on uh, a lot of public leftist media it just happens to be the third word that comes out of everybody's mouth and there's absolutely no meaning behind it anymore. You have successfully made it so that everything in the world is what you label racist, which means that nothing can be. And congratulations, by the way, the possibly unintended, I hope unintended consequence of whitewashing the term and making it impossible to communicate about it is that real, actual instances of racism are flying under the radar because we no longer have the language necessary to communicate about it. Yeah. And we're changing the language. Well, we aren't the, the woke folks are. And as was predicted on our show and was predicted by Bill O'Reilly first. And then I mentioned it here was the fact that the Dixie chicks, uh, we're, they're not going to be allowed to keep that name. They're going to have to drop the Dixie and damn it. They did. They dropped the Dixie from their name. How much can you be more woke than that? Now they're just going to be the chicks, which seems like a derogatory it, term for women. It does. It does sound like an awful choice, but I, I would like to join with most of the public upon hearing this news and going the Dixie who? Yeah. Are well, they still relevant? No. Does I mean, anybody still give a crap? No. I mean, some people I'm sure do. I'm sure they still have fans and you know, they're still mainly remembered for bad mouthing George Bush, which if that's the best thing you can do in your career, you're probably uh, you're probably not on top of the world. Not being a connoisseur of the the kind of inbred music that you seem to play before the show. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I've ever heard of them was when they were talking smack about George W. Bush, and that was 15 years ago, maybe more, probably more. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're boomers. <laughs> Who cares? You know, well, it's it's coming down with this. You know, there are things like Dixie Cups. So now that's going to be the question. When will Dixie Cups bend to the will of the world? 
and get rid of that name. This now is, that you've said something, it's only a matter of time. You know, this, be, th- that by, that will be on you. Yeah, they would never me. have thought about it. They wouldn't even been, it wouldn't have occurred to them unless they were listening to this podcast and go, you know, that's a good idea. We yeah. Need, you yeah. know, my very existence is in fact racist and, and I should totally end that. Well, it's like Lady mm-hmm. Antebellum, which Antebellum was a word that just referred to a time before the Civil War. But that, I guess, mm-hmm. is racist. Now, Dixie, which is basically just a uh, nickname for the southern states. Now, that's also racist. I don't understand exactly. Well, the, the, there, see, uh, 150 years ago, there was slavery in some places in those southern states. And therefore, everything that reminds you that the southern states exist yes is now officially racist and must be removed yes. at some point they are going to go and try to remove the names mississippi alabama and georgia from all text everywhere and just you know the 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 map they'll just paint it over blue and be like yep that's part of the atlantic ocean they'll just stop teaching people that these places exist at all and everybody will just completely forget that the south was there and somehow that's going to solve racism and i think you're right that everything that is associated with the south must go because we have to take this to fruition we have to go the we have to stay the course and we can't just bring down some statues and when it comes to they've gone too far to turn around now the only way out is forward that's the same the same reason all these governors are still you know the, it's it's bright it's sunny it's summer now uh there is no flu during the summer nobody gets the flu during the summer uh there is no danger of anybody who is allowed outside of picking up this thing unless you pick it up from uh, a nursing home or a hospital or something and yet the governors can't just say okay you know we're we're good you're probably not going to get sick anymore go ahead and and you know, live your lives anymore no because that would show them to be fools they can't have that so the only way out is through they have to charge forward and i want them to charge forward and i want to call out everybody who has ever put on a black lives matter t-shirt as racist because it's very simple it's very simple to see Everything, as you said, associated with the South must be deemed racist. Are you familiar with the song Dixie? Uh, probably. You know, in if Dixie you have a few bars, I'm logging out. Yeah. Well, the the lyrics of the song Dixie. I wish I was where. Where does you wish you were when in Dixie? If you heard that song, I wish I was in the land of of Joe Cotton. Cotton. Well, Tom Cotton. Cotton, baby. I wish I was yeah. in the land of cotton, so cotton must be racist. T-shirts are made of cotton. We got to get rid of cotton, man. Cotton hey, is you know, racist because hey, it's a part of Dixie. If this results in everybody walking around <laughs> naked out on the streets, then, you know, maybe we're onto something here. We got to go. Actually, that's go not polyester. true. Polyester. Polyester is not racist, but cotton obviously is oh, racist. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were making a I thought you were making a, a plug for nudism. No, Although no my, what what limited experience I have with nude beaches in in certain places has led me to believe that the problem with nude beaches is that the people that you see naked there are not the people you want to see naked. Yeah. Yeah. And Dixieland is a type of jazz music. DC girl in the troll at no agenda stream dot com when we do these shows live Friday mornings at 11 a.m. Central. 
But yeah, I mean, I wish I was in the land of cotton. So how much longer is it going to be until cotton is deemed to be racist? And if not, why not? Because it's making well, the same kind of connection as the word Dixie or the word. You don't Antebellum. need the song to make. You don't need the song to make that connection. What what was it that slaves were being used to farm? Well, no, I agree. It no. was cotton and tobacco. Yeah, so cotton and then there's a lot of black people that smoke. So I mean, geez, they're racist too. I mean, if if you're a black person and you're smoking a cigarette while wearing a t-shirt, my God, man, what are you thinking? Well, they can't be racist though if they're black. We know that. <laughs> well, that's also a big interesting part because I did a little bit of research and I was kind of curious. Because, you know, I will we'll say even when we grew up learning about the history of slavery, it wasn't exactly the most covered topic. You know, I mean, you got the basics of it. We no, got it, uh, my, my American history class had the section on the Civil War and, and and in their completely backwards way, they taught that there were a number of economic reasons that uh, had to do mainly with the Industrial Revolution and a culture shift in the North that left the South behind culturally. And meanwhile, the you know, the most the still the most wealthy people in the country were in the south were the plantation owners but sometime during the industrial revolution that shifted to the north uh the north was also getting more population which resulted in more voting and political power and over the decades leading up to it was the powder keg burning of south versus north because of the diverging culture combined with a shift in wealth a shift in political power and it ultimately came to irreconcilable differences where the people of one side decided that they didn't want to associate with the other but no screw all that that was backwards that's antiquated my textbook that i learned from was completely wrong the only thing the civil war was about was slavery 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 that was it that was the only thing anybody cared about never mind that 99 percent of whites in the south did not own slaves and had nothing to do with it and nobody in the north really cared that much other than uh oh yeah i guess you know the, even the people in the north were like yeah those black people they're slaves we get that there were a few free black people but they were not treated like some kind of of privileged class in the north they were shit on in the north just as much in as in the south they just you know were had legal rights and Somehow, all of the complexities of humanity and the fact that that different people have different motivations and thoughts and and that things as complicated as an entire culture are cannot be distilled down into simple concepts has all gone completely away with this ridiculous narrative that, oh, civil wars about slavery. That was the only thing they did and slavery. And the 99 percent number is high but yeah probably it's uh yeah well, i can give you the, the data here uh it came down to there was somebody that estimated about 27 percent of families in the south did own slaves but you know the first case that came before a court so this made you know who the first legal slave owner was there was a case where a guy who claimed he was you know an indentured servant he had done his time and he should now be free the first case that actually went before court, the court and uh, the court then ruled that, no, this guy was owned for life. The first legal slave owner in the United States history 
was a black tobacco farmer named Anthony Johnson. He was a former indentured servant himself. Anthony Johnson, I'm quoting here, was a free Negro who owned a 250-acre farm in Virginia during the 1650s with five indentured servants under contract to him. One of them, a black man named John Cassor, claimed that his term of service had expired years earlier and Johnson was holding him illegally. In 1654, a civil court found that Johnson, in fact, owned Castor services for life. So the first legal slave owner in the United States was a black man himself. Now, the other interesting thing going down this, because I had absolutely no idea of this history. There was a guy named William Ellison. Have you ever heard this name? Did members go off to the bathroom again? Perhaps. This is why you can't do a show with Ben Rose. Yeah. Ben Rose down again. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I gave you more to rant about. See, this is why, you know, I, I need a new co-host. Anybody, anybody want to be a co-host for grumpy old Ben's William Ellison. Have you ever heard this name? I, I'm not familiar. A wealthy. Did, did you say it in the last 40 seconds? Yes, I did. He is or was a wealthy black plantation owner. And he owned 63 black slaves in 1860. I had no idea that there were wealthy black people in the South who owned slaves. What? No, he couldn't have. Yes. Because all slave owners are racist and only whites can be racist. So he couldn't have been. No. And at at this point in South Carolina, in South Carolina in 1860, there were 171 black slave owners just in South Carolina. That's, that's that's kind of like the you know the americans were the ones who invented slavery because there there was never any slavery anywhere in the world until the american south well see yeah that's also that. the problem because slavery did not start in the american south it actually started in africa where blacks also own blacks well, so now africa uh, should probably be anything that has to do with africa any kind of statues any flags it all got to go because that I, is where slavery happened I agree with you, but the reason why I would say that I believe slavery started in Africa is that humans started in Africa. And for as long as there have been humans, there have been people who have been stomping on other people's free will and trying to force them to do things against their will. So that's that's where slavery started. It's it's a a thing that people do, especially when when they well, when they, they otherize and dehumanize particular groups based on some arbitrary excuse like, uh, you know, in, in today's world, people are dehumanizing each other based on skin color. But way back in the day when everybody was the same skin color, you found some other thing like, uh, oh, you were born over in that other valley and therefore you're less of a person and therefore it's okay for me to stomp on your free will and make you a slave. But this is a very important part of the history, I think, that people should be aware of. It's not a white and black thing. I mean, it is, but it also isn't when you had hundreds of black slave owners. And the other thing that totally blew my mind was American Indians owned thousands of black slaves. But I thought they were the poor Indian. I mean, it's it is a eye opener for people who don't know history which is why things are in the condition they are today with these morons pulling down statues, often of people who fought against slavery back in the 1800s and before. Yet another reason why I I 
feel that people who use terms like ADOS are it it's simplistic and divisive. Just the idea that, oh, well, you know, this is this is somebody whose skin is dark and uh therefore slave is is ridiculous on its face and and deciding to you know even deciding well okay ADOS is something that's bothered me for a while and i know i know a lot of people in this network are a huge fan of mofacts and frankly i i do really appreciate that mo and adam are doing what they're doing because they've got some great conversation but whenever even on no agenda whenever adam pulls out the the phrase ADOS is like okay well now you have not only separated blacks from whites which is inherently discriminatory but you've now also driven a divisive line between dark-skinned people over here and dark-skinned people over there for the purpose of trying to stereotype a group and well, it becomes very very complicated when you find out again in 1860 171 black people owned slaves so now who are they are their families going to get reparations i mean that wouldn't make sense they were the ones that owned the certainly. slaves well hopefully nobody gets reparations well, yes. because that idea is fucking stupid it is but this is one of the reasons why because you actually had black people that owned black people in the united states but so you can't just go oh you're black oh gee okay you're going to have to do some real family history you know, to, de- it, to determine the, the idea of reparations is wrong for almost everybody involved. It, it is, it is absolutely and certainly wrong for those people whose money is being stolen to give away to somebody for the purpose of just different skin color. Uh, it is wrong for the people who are, who self identify in a culture who is now being handed free money because, oh, you people can't make it on your own and, and you're lesser people, but that's okay because we want to lift you up. That is that as condescending as it sounds? It seems worse. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's positively terrible. I mean, yes, I, I, there is the, the, the deep seated, impulse of yeah everybody wants free money that's the the same kind of impulse that leads to wanting a universal basic income and modern monetary theory and and frankly it's completely unworkable in any real economic system and tends to lead to the complete collapse of an economy but hey we're probably going there anyway so why not you know free money for all right no well, well yeah no, not if you're racist then it's only free money for the people whose ethnic groups you approve of over on the episode of Random Thoughts I did recently, I quoted the great liberal philosopher Bruce Springsteen, who once opined in song, poor man want to be oh, rich, that- rich man want to be a king, and a king ain't satisfied until he rules everything. And I think that is as true today as it's ever been. And this is and one now of somehow we're back to these governors. Oh, yeah. Which governors? Oh, the the kings that want to rule everything. Well, they, well yeah, they're just, they're petty at this point. Uh, they want to have full control. I get it, but the human nature is to always want more. I mean, this isn't something that everybody is pushing. It's obviously what's being pushed by the group Black Lives Matter. There was a guy I watched a video of that I think Uncle Ted Nugent posted on Facebook or on YouTube or somewhere. And it was a black guy who said, I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for saying this because it's going to seem really bizarre to some people. But he said, I'm really pissed off about the way white people are being treated today. 
and he just went off on the whole thing like we just there's talked a about. freaking hot take i know with, with the reparations thing he's like nobody alive today is responsible for what happened during slavery nobody no that has been the core of my argument against all forms of of treating somebody differently because of their ancestors you know, I, I i believe there there was a book i read once that that said uh it, it used the phrase sins of the father i don't remember what the book was uh but it it effectively said that uh you know children should not be held responsible for things that their parents or ancestors did it, it, was that the bible <laughs> it may have been uh but, but it's, it's the same thing when you're going through i mean if they can still track down somebody who was involved in world war ii with the nazis i mean they'll still prosecute but it's like yeah once the people that actually committed the atrocities are dead the ability to prosecute or get something back as yeah. a reparation from descendants even world war ii is long enough ago that the you know, the most of the people who are still alive today who were alive during world war ii were probably children at the time and weren't necessarily guilty of anything it was like there's there's a few octogenarians who were around during world war ii and might have been a a, a fresh out of school kid who might have been handed a gun but that's uh, you know those people and george soros are the only ones still alive who who did any atrocities it's an interesting thing i mean which it if you really look into it you understand what it's about and it's about the same thing that occupy wall street was about it all comes down to the redistribution of wealth it's just how it's being framed yeah i mean i i made this exact argument but back back in in the the glory days of only 30 ish years ago uh when i was in school and i had i ended up getting in an argument with one of my teachers in school uh, because this this was back when when racism wasn't rampant in academia and and we we still had people old enough you know the the activists were old enough to remember the civil rights era where there was actual racism and actual fighting and for the most part we won out and and most v- forms of institutional racism were actually destroyed and we didn't have to to point at white people and and say and, and like uh, here here's some imaginary institutional racism that you're just supposed to be afraid of we didn't have to make it up we could point to actual examples of it and the argument i got into with my teacher was about reservations for native americans which are a huge thing around here because of course the the western half of the country is dotted with native american reservations all over the place in the pacific northwest in particular with the the mild climate and and very fertile waters that you know fish are are literally jump into a boat if you go out in the pacific ocean that's the might not be true but uh the the native american tribes were everywhere there were hundreds of them and there's probably two or three dozen native american reservations here in the state of washington and the argument i got into was saying well None of these people, you know, the, 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 the reason for the reservation to exist is because some Europe descended white Americans came over and conquered some Native American people, but nobody alive today did any conquering and nobody alive today has conquered anything. This was the 1840s and 1850s. So why? 
do we still have this division of people based on lineage? And the answer was, well, because there was a treaty and it was uh, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison when they were framing the constitution that they made the argument in the federalist papers that all laws should sunset in, I believe the number they used was 19 years because of the sins of the father argument. They said that no generation should be beholden to laws made or agreements made or treaties made by previous generations, especially generations long dead. Now these were people who had just come from rule in England where, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of Kings had formed the system by which they were surviving under and they were tired of it. And they'd just thrown off all of this oppression of long old dead Kings. And they had, come into a system where they were like, we want to make something new where individuals can be free. And now we are beholden to all of these old treaties where, because you happen to have an ancestor seven generations back who was a native American and I don't, you have more rights than I do. Well, you certainly can pay less taxes. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And open a casino. It's an interesting thing I, when they have sovereign I, I want, land. Yeah, I want free fireworks, too. <laughs> well, free. I don't know if they're free, but you can definitely get them legally. Well, and, you can get them wholesale. Yeah. And for, it, for less than the 800% markup that you get when you buy the, the legal ones, which are nothing more exciting than sparklers. But, I mean, you remember the American Indians were bad because they owned thousands of black slaves. So, I mean, there's that. No, no, they're not white. They can't possibly have been racist. What what you're missing about this? <laughs> the only people who were ever been have ever been racist are Americans descended from Europeans with pale skin. The last stat I have on all this, I just want to throw it out there. In 1830, okay. there were 3,775 black people in the United States who owned 12,740 black slaves. It's uh, it's something I don't remember learning growing up. And if I did, I had forgotten it. It is certainly not something we're seeing with this current um, just hubbub, you know, this paranoia of pulling all these statues down and trying to rewrite history. I mean, if you're going to rewrite history, let's at least understand what happened and understand this wasn't entirely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you want to make generalizations, yeah, it makes sense. This was a you know white man keeping the black man down. But somehow there were a lot of black people that were involved in this system. They were the ones who brought the people to the United States as slaves. This is a lot of sin going on, and it's not all on one side. And I think that is vital when people look back on it and go, hey, you know, uh, um, the, the white guys here that bought the slave. I mean, that's great. But let's ask the question, how did those slaves get here? Well, let's let's ask it, the question of why other black people own slaves in the United States. They, they they got here in in a Dutch boat that was from the you know the Dutch traders. By the way, you know if if you're wondering if Americans invented it, no, because the Dutch were doing it a lot before that. Uh, and those traders, where did they get the slaves? Oh, that's right, the slaves were sold to them by slave owners, black slave owners in Africa where one tribe would go out and enslave an entire other tribe. And that was just the way things were done. 
Yeah. And it's still going on in Africa. Make no mistake about it. But much like the violence here in Chicago, you're not going to hear about this on the mainstream. You would rather hear. And this is, again, the death of George Floyd should have never happened. But there is a lot of bad shit going on in the world. A lot bigger atrocities that are not being reported on, including Chicago again over Father's Day, one of the deadliest weekends in the history of the city. And that takes a lot. But there was a three year old. Yeah, that is a high bar. Yes. There was a three year old that was shot that was in the car with its dad and killed. I don't know why I expected you to say there was a three year old going on a shooting rampage. No, no. I mean, I mean, Chicago. You never know. It could be get your toddler a AR-15, but there was also a story, and this kind of stuff is absolutely heartbreaking. It was a 16 or 17-year-old girl in her house. She was demonstrating some dance she learned on TikTok to her mother when bullets came through the window, hit her in the neck, and she bled out, died. It's like this shit should not happen. In a city like Chicago, it's a daily occurrence. And I don't care what color you are as a any kid that's in the house should be safe. They should not feel like you have to worry that bullets are going to come flying into your house because somebody's doing a drive by and your life is going to be over. It shouldn't happen. But nobody's marching here. I don't get it. Black Lives Matter. Where are you? If black lives really matter, why is the death of this three year old and of this 16 or 17 year old girl in Chicago over Father's Day weekend? Why are those meaningless? I don't get it. Well, it I I think that the the answer is both simpler and uh, more obfuscated than most people probably realize, and that is that all of this is set up by people with political agendas, and the people who are setting up the the people who have the agenda who have decided that the entire reason why they're setting up the riots is because Trump. Because uh, we, we need to get the orange man out. In order to do that, you have to set up a race war. In order to do that, you have to highlight whites versus blacks. And therefore, blacks versus blacks doesn't fe- feed into the narrative and isn't interesting. Yeah. Look at the uh, weather underground. They were the it, ones it that sounds said like black a conspiracy against white theory. and the police against the people. And that's the guy that was the head of that Bill Ayers, buddy of Barack Obama. I mean, I know there's conspiracy theories that seem far fetched. This one really doesn't. Well, it, 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 I wish it did. I, I wish it were just a conspiracy theory, but right now I, I, I know people are going to be, Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, but it, it, it is the most plausible scenario that fits the available facts. Once you acknowledge all of the available facts and don't just get your information from what CNN and, and NPR are telling you that there is, there is a lot of stuff that does not, makes sense unless you buy into the conspiracy theory that that yes this racial tension is being driven for political reasons and if you acknowledge that it is being driven by people in the media by agent provocateur provocateur bad people provocateur yes fine laundry uh, for your wife who are going out and they are they are starting you know the, the the leaked documents that showed all of the right tips 
for getting insinuating yourself into a crowd of people, throwing a few bricks, starting a race war, you know, and the moment a riot happens, then you exit immediately because that way you won't get arrested and you won't get caught. And then you can be used to go start another race war somewhere else. These documents have been circulating. People are doing this. They are. I I wish it was a conspiracy theory. I, I, I wish it was just random people being angry because people being angry will throw their tantrum and then it peters out and then we can get back to the the process of talking to each other again which is the only way that things get better but if all of this is being driven by somebody with an agenda who wants to push a race war then unless that person comes forward george soros and is willing to come to the table and talk there can be no talk you just have to keep fighting which is not right. Well, the city of New York has a Marxist mayor in de Blasio, and they disbanded oh. the the violent crimes unit, which this makes a whole lot of sense in a city. D- did that stop violent crimes? You know, it had the opposite effect that no. over the same the stats from this past week over the same week last year. Violent crimes and shootings were up. It was like 350 to 400 and something percent. The crime is running rampant in New York. And it's again, you feel like the crazy conspiracy theorist to go, you know, you have a mayor who doesn't really care about the lives of the people in the city as much as a political agenda and would rather have people dying on his soil, on his watch in his city because it's going to push an agenda. I, I keep I, I have to admit, I'm, I know I'm on the opposite side of the country, but I keep getting confused. And so de Blasio is the mayor yes. of New York City Correct. who has been disbanding police programs and increasing violence in the city. And then Cuomo is the governor of New York State who sent a whole bunch of old people to death camps. I mean, uh, retirement homes. With COVID, right? Yeah, is that right? Yes, that is absolutely right. But they're both constantly thrashing Donald Trump for the horrible job he's doing. I mean, you guys haven't set the bar all that high. I mean, if New York could show me stats that their coronavirus deaths were really low and they're one of the highest, if not the highest, I believe, in the country, their crime stats are going up. When back when Rudy Giuliani ran New York, crime was down to an all-time low for the amount of people in new york and it's millions and millions uh the the crime rate was as low as a lot of normal medium small kind of cities but not anymore it is it is back on the uptick how how can he have had anything to do with anything good i heard that because he associates with trump he was a racist yeah racist horrible guy he cleaned up the state he cleaned up New York because he wasn't afraid. He wasn't a guy that buys into the PC stuff. He did things yeah. people didn't like, but you know what? The end result was crime went down. Now, and that's an interesting yeah, the, thing the, for people. The the way he cleaned up New York, I, I don't know too many people who who look too closely to that. The you know, no nobody's scoured nobody scoured the bottom of the East River looking for weighed down corpses <laughs> during that time. Um, I, I'm not convinced that what he did was all that nice, but crime went down, which is generally good for 
of people who are not criminals. Which is why, you know, in these areas, you never see the the because, again, they know they're probably going to get killed by the local gangbangers or whatever if they come out and start talking about the drugs and the violence and try to stop it. If the average citizen in those neighborhoods would actually work with the police, things could get better. But I understand why it's dangerous, because the people that are running these kind of gangs will use violence and they're not afraid to shoot a three-year-old or a 16-year-old girl just because they get in the way. And this we talked about in one of the other episodes before, which was the concept of bringing in the people that ran these gangs years ago was probably a really, really bad idea because for the longest time, part of this was kind of like going back to the Al Capone days in chicago which was yeah we know the place is mobbed up and okay if you're uh, running a also bar, known as the good old times right you know if you're running a bar we know you're getting your liquor from the mob or you're paying a vig because you know they're not burning your place down and uh you know you're giving them a percentage but there was a certain honor among thieves honor among mobsters when chicago and new york had the elder the- statesman gang leaders they were very much the same way. There was very little when it came to collateral damage. I mean, there were still gangsters that were shooting each other from rival gangs. But if you accidentally shot a three-year-old kid, I mean, screw the police finding you. The guy that ran your gang was probably going to put you in the ground because they didn't want that kind of heat. They just wanted yeah, to sell their drugs. That That's the irony is that uh, under mob rule, the... Yeah, p- putting aside the people coming to your door and threatening violence on you if you didn't pay your fees um <clears throat> taxes uh under mob rule they they were the mob was a better government than than the actual government because things were like i said uh, aside from having to pay money to the mob for protection you you were fairly confident you weren't going to get shot petty crime was down Yes, because because it petty crime is bad for business. People getting shot in the streets is bad for business. And if you are trying to run a business, even if you're the mob, you know, what what is the difference between organized crime who are extorting money from citizens in or in exchange for protection and providing services? What is the difference between that and what a government does? The mob is able to be much more efficient, meaning when a police officer accidentally trips a drunk and he falls face forward and the police are going to get sued, you know, and when somebody from the mob pushes you down, <laughs> you really don't get a chance to uh, to bring them to court. You don't get a chance to argue. Uh, they have a lot more leeway. I, I would argue that's not even a difference as long as qualified immunity exists. Well, and it's not anymore. Sue- you can sue the police department, but if a cop busts into the wrong house, wakes everybody up, throws a flashbang into a three-year-old's bedroom and shoots the dog, and they had the wrong address, you can you can sue them, but you're probably not going to have any effect because, oh, qualified immunity. You're familiar with qualified immunity, aren't you? Yeah, well, that's changing. That's changing it, big it, time. Slowly. But qualified immunity is the doctrine that is, you know, oh, first of all, the vast majority of people who are 
quote unquote protesting, rioting in the streets, shouting defund all cops. They're they're retards. They don't understand what the hell they're talking about. But the the core of the problem that they are arguing against continues to be a problem because of a concept called qualified immunity, which was never passed by any legislative body. It was created by the U S Supreme court out of whole cloth uh, as, as a result of a case that the Supreme court just said, well, uh, if, if a cop thinks that they're doing the right thing, then they can't be held liable for anything they do, which is on its face, completely backward. If, if you, shoot somebody and you shouldn't have you should be prosecuted for it but if they're a cop no, and I, disagree. They claim I disagree with that, that. They- the situations are way more complex when it comes to that but if the cop well, is following orders then the department should be held responsible this concept that you're going to be able to sue an individual police officer oh, oh, so, so now is- I, I was just following orders is is a defense if you're a, if you're in the hey, military, that's a slippery slope is. right there. Well, yeah, it, but no, it shouldn't the, be. Then the person that's on the uh, you know one step higher is the one that has to answer for it. But it, it, it shouldn't be. The, whether or not that is a, a valid defense has been. But it a has to be when it's like time. okay. So what the difference is when somebody's grabbing well, for their wallet that, rather that, than that a gun and gets on, shot? Then you can't say, well, the cop thought he was going for a gun, but he wasn't. We know afterwards that he wasn't, so he could be sued. Bullshit. The cops need some kind of protection to be able to do their job. There should have limitations to it. There's no question about that. But you can't just look at everything afterwards and go, well, no, he shouldn't have done that. Well, mistakes are going to get made. Well, in the interest of not being shot, what I would like for a cop to do is not shoot me while I'm reaching for my wallet. So I would really like there to be some kind of incentive structure in place that causes the cop to maybe think about what is happening before just taking uh, lethal force as a first resort. And then what if the person is reaching for a gun, not a wallet, and the minute they can tell what it is, the cop is shot? Well, then that's really horrible. Well, it makes your idea stupid. So come on. In the interest of not being shot, I... the one of the founding principles uh in again going back to the federalist papers was the idea that it is better to let 10 guilty people go free than to let one and we're innocent not talking person about being in court that's a completely different thing than being no, in the street no, but, but you are you are you are advocating that uh, an in, that 10 innocent people should be shot no. before one guilty person is allowed to pull a gun no, what I'm saying is the police have to be allowed to protect themselves reasonably. And have you ever been shot by a cop? No, I'm guessing not. Because if no, a cop try, comes try up not to you and says to stop and put your hands up while well, you don't go reaching for something in your pocket, you can't well, have a case where the cops, where if the public knows the cops can't do anything until they're proven to have a weapon, well, then it's probably going to be too late. Well, obviously, there's degrees involved, and and you're bringing up hypotheticals, but the the there the idea of qualified immunity completely perverts the incentive structure. Uh, it, it gives incentives for a cop to shoot first and never ask questions because they know that the thin blue line will protect them. And 
uh, the, uh, well, you know, I've said before on this program that the vast majority I mean, of police officers. Unless you're not what's going on in the world, that's certainly not true anymore, especially well, that, with all that, the body cams. There's certainly cams a lot and, of changes. There's certainly a lot of changes, but the the wheels of legislation and uh, courts move far slower than than the effect of riots. So if, if I, I don't approve of any kind of knee jerk policy decisions being made, like some of these idiot mayors are doing, either, uh, and and I I would like to see if any good comes out of all of these demonstrations. I would like to see a critical analysis of the doctrines of civil forfeiture and qualified immunity and some other things that pervert the incentive structure and make it so that, and and whether this be the individual cop or the department or what, I I don't know, but there for every situation where you talk about, you know, Oh, a a cop got shot because he didn't shoot first. There's also a situation where, uh, you know, somebody who, got into the police force because he wanted to shoot people and goes out and takes pictures and posts on Facebook about how he, you know, here's, here's my nine. I'm going to go shoot me some darkies or something like that. And then well, I think he that goes would be out already perfectly under <laughs> that would not well, happen. That's, that's insane. It, it has happened. Not recently. I don't, it, but it, yeah, 10 years ago, there, there were some Facebook posts where people were doing exactly that. And, and they but, are, but regardless, even, even if, not 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 usually not not nearly as often as should be somebody who goes out and effectively commits a hate crime but has a badge should be prosecuted i think we agree on that one and so any incentive structure that says no no this is on the department the department should be sued well you're not incentivizing the individual officer not to go shoot somebody again especially if you hand him his badge and gun back no, you certainly and are, if, because they're still responsible you, for following the law. Now, they can still get charged for murder, but what? they also need to have some kind of protection to be able to do their job. And yes, uh, Harry Hamster, he said darkies, which was the word that got Kate Smith uh, banished from the world and her statue taken down. Oh, we my God. If we're, not, if, if we're not already deplatformed, we're, we're done. We I, talk about that at no, length it, on Random Thoughts. It, here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens if. If a rogue police officer and 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 I would like to believe that police captains are not ordering cops to go out and shoot first and don't ask questions. And if anybody you know, looks like they might be lurking to rob somebody, then just shoot down the alley blindly. Nobody's ordering that. So the the case that i'm talking about is the scenario where there is a cop who exercises extremely poor judgment or the because there are some of them the malicious cop who literally goes out with the idea and the thought in his head of i hope i get to shoot somebody today and we don't want that person on the force but if that person shoots someone and your only recourse is to sue the department and that person gets put back on the street with a gun and a badge. And the only effect is that, congratulations, the taxpayers of the city are now on hook for the million-dollar lawsuit. And we know damn well that suing a city, other than costing taxpayers money, doesn't affect any change, uh, especially when the same idiots keep getting voted in. So, Are you being strafed incentive- there? What? Are you being strafed there? It sounds like airplanes are bit. just coming right down over oh, your you, house. You heard? <laughs> yes. You heard that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought this. 
you, you couldn't hear the train horn earlier. No, no. Well, uh, that- you, you know that I am. I am only a couple of miles from the uh, runway where uh, the seven, the big sevens and seven eighty sevens. The the big Boeing planes are all made. The the maiden flight all comes from near here. So all they got to do is uh, open a Bombay door, pal, and you're gone. I think that one, judging by the sound, which I, I could barely hear it through my cans, but apparently this microphone is. Uh, that one was probably the Dreamlifter, which is a modified 747 with uh, a significantly widened uh, fuselage so that you can put entire 787 bodies inside of it. Because the, the carbon fiber bodies for the 787 Dreamliner are made elsewhere, loaded into these planes. They're called Dreamlifters, but it's a 747 with a that, that looks looks like it needs to go on a diet. It's like a super pudgy looking plane. And they fly overhead and they've got uh, extra souped up engines and they're boomy. And when they when they go overhead, they are loud and you look up and and you're like yep that was that was quite a yeah that's when you start wondering it, about the physics of it lift and uh i get one of them it, puppies up there the, the physics of it is actually kind of amazing you put powerful enough engines and a big enough airplane or wingspan uh and like i said 747 is not a small plane and this is just a 747 that has been supersized so that you can fit an entire other plane inside of it that's awesome that is. So they do they do the final assembly on those near here. I have uh I have a tech story, I have a couple of politics stories, and I have an entremont. An entremont. That's a that's a fancy French word. What does it mean? Yes, I got, got that from Tavorek. <laughs> uh, it means it has nothing to do with anything, but it made me laugh. Well, welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's. <laughs> We're the entremont of podcasting. Uh okay. So this one I I can't summarize i I tried to summarize for my notes and i realized that i just have to read you the story so uh this this comes from uh the virginia news republic although the it happened in kansas an agricultural plane pilot is facing 269 criminal charges after he dumped four tons of liquid manure over the town of el dorado kansas while flying (laughs) under the influence of alcohol Residents of the town were horrified as the manure rained down from the sky, causing several car accidents and completely ruining an outdoor wedding ceremony. Oh, wow. According that's to not the police something you report, plan for. No, no, no. I bet the wedding planner missed that one. <laughs> According to the police report, the pilot had a blood alcohol level of 0.48% at the time of his arrest. Whoa. Six times over the legal limit to drive a motor vehicle and 12 times the limit allowed to fly a plane. My God, how you're not conscious at 0.48. Well, he got it up in the air and obviously landed <laughs> yeah, it. Apparently he got it up. Hey. Uh, consequently, his vision was too impaired for him to realize that instead of spreading the manure over his employer's fields, he had taken a wrong turn, releasing his cargo over the town and its residents instead. And how much of this did he drop? Here's, here's, uh, four tons oh, of liquid manure. Wow. So here is the the best part about this is the quote from the sheriff's office spokesman said, everyone was freaking out, complaining about shit falling from the skies, <laughs> fearing a biological attack from Islamic terrorists or the Democrats. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit falling from the sky. I'm like, thanks, Obama. And, I, and, and 
this was an actual quote from the sheriff's office in this Kansas town is that they actually fear bullshit attacks from the Democrats, which really makes them ahead of the curve as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Yeah. But uh, liquid manure. I'm just assuming this is just not a it's kind of like rain, but manure yeah, except it probably doesn't smell too great and yeah. it stains your clothes brown yeah that wedding dress is so, not gonna ever be the same emergency lines were swamped as more than 900 calls came in within five minutes of the town being crop sprayed but the local deputies jumped quickly to action by the time he returned to the landing strip they'd already identified his plane and were waiting nearby we're a small community the spokesman said we knew barry was a drunkard we saw him fly hazardously before so we guessed it was him but we'd never seen him this drunk before barry (laughs) yeah he added that he was so drunk when he was arrested he had urinated upon himself and wasn't able to stand when arrested only moments after landing he is now facing 269 criminal charges including criminal damage to property aggravated assault and performing an aviation function over the prescribed alcohol limit if found guilty on all charges he is liable liable for 1235 years of jail time a fine of 2.3 million dollars and the suspension of his pilot's license. But he was able to take off and then find that, his. That is a high functioning drunk. Yes. And then literally find, high. I mean, he found the right place to come back and land, too. So it's not like he tried to land on an <laughs> expressway or something. It's like you got off the ground. You thought you did your job. You came back and landed safely. But that kind of blood alcohol level it's like crap man driving a car or a motorcycle i mean that's one thing an airplane I, yeah i i with you know i i can only guess he was very very good pilot because that kind of blood alcohol level there's a chance that i mean if if you manage to pass out on a car you'll probably run off the road maybe hit something and wrinkle your car if you pass out in a plane you're a fiery spot in a field somewhere <laughs> yes uh yeah that is that i mean really he should be given some kind of medal for his flying uh you know after he does all the time for you know dropping liquid poop on on a wedding see that's the best part of the whole story is a wedding ceremony yeah i i I disagree i love the best part was the sheriff's office (laughs) spokesman saying saying fearing a biological attack from islamic terrorists or the democrats was it uh sheriff roscoe t coltrane by any chance uh uh, no it was butler county sheriff's office spokesman lieutenant john fitzpatrick yes way too irish sounding but but his friends might have called him roscoe i'm not sure yeah that's uh that's intriguing uh but that is the so that, that was my Ottermont. <laughs> that is the uh, that is the strangest story I've heard in a while, and uh, I guess that just goes to show you never know who's flying over your house. I mean, for yeah, you, well, you 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 reminded me with the the sound of the airplane, and I'm like, nope, that's <laughs> just a that's just a Boeing lifter. It's not you know, it's not a crop duster full of human feces. I don't know what you'd Actually, prefer. I, I mean, I don't hey. think it was fe- human. I would, well, they didn't say they didn't say what animals feces it was, but if you're putting it on a on a crops, it was probably manure. Then you make it liquid. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah, but I mean, it it might be. I it it, if he's got some kind of contract with the local sewage treatment plant, maybe it is true. You never know where you're getting the stuff. (laughs) It's all there. I mean, come on. So that I, I that that was that was my story. So, uh, let's see. 
you, you know, I have been accused because uh, the the only real political party in the state of Washington is the Democrat Party. No, wait, the, the Socialist I, I read, Party. Well, yeah, there there are various factions of the Democrat Party, but the you know the 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 mainstream Democrats who who seem to you know, who generally are the kind of normal people who want to be left alone and and maybe just have uh, a misplaced trust in government that that isn't warranted, but they're not paying enough attention to really tell. They're generally normal people and are fine, but the 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 radical side who are the ones getting all the press and the politicians who are generally, I mean, by default, totally corrupt. Those are the ones who deserve my ire, and they get it. Uh, but. I have because I rag on Democrats a lot, uh, mainly because they deserve it. But I do. Um, I have been called because by by a listener of this show, I have been called a Republican. And uh, putting aside that hateful speech, uh, it occurred to me that I needed to just bring out some stuff that that shows that I hate Republicans too. I'm I'm an equal opportunity hater when it comes to politicians. <laughs> And uh, so I've got two stories, which are both uh, sort of of the technology bent. And uh, one of them is a uh, they're they're both uh, this one's in the this one's in the U.S. Senate. Um, it is called the Lawful Access to Encrypted Data Act, which was recently submitted to the U.S. Senate. Are you familiar with this? I am not. This was submitted by three Republicans: Lindsey uh, Graham. Lindsey Graham. Yeah, figured. Tom Cotton. And Marsha Blackburn. And uh, by the way, for uh, any of you who might be voters in South Carolina, Arkansas, or Tennessee, get these people out of office. These people are corrupt. They are corrupt with an R next to their name, which is just as bad as the people who are corrupt with a D next to their name. The corrupt people need to be get, you need to get them out of Congress. Get them out of the Senate. What the hell is wrong with you people? Stop voting for these assholes. Um. This is yet another attempt to require tech companies to insert backdoors into encryption. Um, and uh, the the reasoning given behind this particular bill was actually a lot of rhetoric around Apple's 2016 refusal to backdoor that iPhone, if you recall that story. Yes. Well, yeah, the story was they wouldn't help, but they didn't have the ability to crack into a phone. So the uh, the, the other thing they complained about was WhatsApp. They, they complained about WhatsApp a lot. Uh, but the roughly the gist of the bill is uh they they made it very clear once a legal warrant is obtained now let's let's go ahead and and table for a moment the discussions about how trivially easy it is for uh law enforcement to get a quote-unquote legal warrant and rubber stamp courts and all that but once a legal warrant is obtained uh this requires all device manufacturers and service providers to assist law enforcement accessing encrypted data um the attorney general can order service providers or device manufacturers to assist law enforcement in cracking any encryption and getting access to anything on the device. Uh, the attorney general can also, let's see, uh, order device manufacturers to report on their ability to comply. And I'm sure that coming up with these reports is just free. You push a button, it pops out, right? No. Um, and the other thing it does is that it directs the attorney general to create a prize competition to award participants who create lawful access solution in an encrypted environment while maximizing privacy and security. And if that statement sounds completely impossible, then you understand encryption. 
the so this is we we've seen this legislation before multiple times where uh for for some reason the people who are pushing the uh quote unquote law enforcement de- uh narrative that uh y- you know the only reason why it's so hard to get into the encryption is because these tech companies don't want us to be using encryption the the only reason why uh you know if if only the tech companies wanted to be able to decrypt they would totally be able to break their encryption but just for law enforcement not not for criminals or anything just for law enforcement so, right but this doesn't say that they have to build a back door and i mean we know they would probably like that but this is not well, it, mandating it, that it, it stops short of mandating that there be a back door when you just say uh, they are no they have to help law enforcement well that could just be like okay well we'll try to break into it but we don't have any <laughs> special uh ability and, and that's exactly the loophole and and i like that is is if you build your encryption correctly it if you are a company who builds your encryption correctly then you can't break it <laughs> right um and this this does in fact stop short in fact uh the uh the attorney general uh bill burr was uh noted as criticizing the lawsuit or the the new law because it doesn't go far enough and because it does not mandate back doors which you know is insane because if there is a back door then well here's the way i would look at it the it's much like the piracy bullcrap which was only hitting you know little old ladies and uh you know, uh, teenagers for stealing music because, you know, that's how that all worked out. Uh, the people that know what they're doing, and I may be one of those people, you could download whatever the hell you want and never get a DMCA letter, never get an RIA strike because you know what you're doing. You know how to cover your tracks. If you're a good dude named Ben, you're never going to leave yourself out there. Now, when it comes to people using these devices, these messenger apps, and communicating and the, obviously this is a case of where law enforcement wants to be able to break in and listen to these conversations or they want to be able to break in and read these text messages if somebody knows that the platform they're on and even if you at this point i would still assume you know even on the android or apple platforms right now if i was a terrorist you know if i was an isis if i was somebody who really had to cover my tracks I would not be assuming that the operating system on the phone I'm using is going to protect me. And I would take further measures to make sure all communication was encrypted, which means even if I got the phone, if I was on an iPhone and it went to Apple or if I was on an Android and it went to Samsung or whoever, and they were able to un, you know, de-encrypt my phone as a whole, those communications would still be on my device but they would also be encrypted with something i did that would not be easy to break so i'm well, not easy although we we had a conversation only a half hour ago where it, if in you know all, all encryption is breakable given enough time right well and enough time is a very um you know it's but, a moving target the, the, i mean the the goal to encryption is not to encrypt something so that it can never be broken the goal if you're if you're applying it correctly is to be able to make information inaccessible long enough that by the time you can break it it's no longer useful information yes or so you can if, hide if it you're with you know, the if encryption. you're planning 
if if you happen to be a terrorist, which I know that you are, uh, but but we tell you to keep that on the down low. Right. If you happen right. to be a, a terrorist who is planning, say, an Antifa rally at 6 p.m. tomorrow night, then your encryption only has to last 36 hours. And then the information that they get from cracking it is is an inactionable because it's already happened. Right. And things like Veracrypt, where they let you encrypt something and it's invisible inside so you can still give somebody one password that makes it seem like they've gotten your stuff decrypted and then there's another encrypted you know thing inside of that it's an endless endless thing that people who really want to cover their tracks will will this you know affect some people yes but they're not the people you're really worried about prosecuting you're not gonna get the terrorists you're not going to get the idiot child porn people you're not going to get them because they're covering their tracks unless they're complete morons you know so all this really does is hurt the average person who is going to have no privacy because once there is a back door it's not just the government that's going to realize it's there and find it well what happens when one of these groups that's already selling databases on the black web that what's going to happen when they have access to all of your information all of your photos it's a nightmare waiting to happen and i can't see how apple you know they're the big ones on this i guess you know or google with android when people are so stupid that take the naked photos of themselves or their partners or they're taking videos and things like this that they would never want to get out there but they're on those devices imagine just how much Apple and uh, Google would be sued to the hill if those things got out there and it came down to, well, you know, we just took all security precautions away because the government said we should. So sorry that um, all of your videos are out there now. There there was, uh, it wasn't this bill, but there was a bill that died about two years ago, which had a clause that effectively said uh, it offered indemnity from any kind of lawsuit for a company that willingly put a back door in. Fortunately, that one died, but I remember it coming up a couple years ago. Uh, the thing that really drew my attention about this particular law, and and I, I don't know if I find this comical or or just weird, uh, was the it directs the attorney general to create a prize competition to award participants who create a lawful access solution in an encrypted environment while maximizing privacy and security. And that's a bunch of word salad for saying, uh, we are going to give you money if you develop breakable encryption. And it, it's, you know, the, the well maximizing privacy and security is, it makes it clear that these people actually do not understand technology or mathematics at all. But we've, we've come to expect that out of our lawmakers. But first of all, it, it seemed like a novel idea to, to create a prize and a competition but uh i i think that what frightens me about it is the incentive structure is starting to move toward uh, the government is going to just start paying companies straight up to put back doors in and i don't think apple will be the first to fall they might well be the last but uh everybody if, if you're a corporation you have your price you're legally mandated to have your price and if you I, I don't know. I mean, at, at what point does the government continue spending our money to keep breaking our privacy? But what happens 
it doesn't matter which one it is. Let's just assume Google's the first one to cave. Well, now people are only going to buy iPhones because they're going to know the other one is useless. You know, and maybe it will fall afterwards, but that would be a pretty massive. I'd really like a third choice in that. Yeah. It it would be nice. And the concept that you're going to make using encryption illegal is so far out of the barn at this point that I don't even understand how that is being talked about unless we're again dealing with people in the government who have zero clue about what they're talking about. And that seems reasonable as a guess because everything in one way or another is encrypted. Every website you go to, they're forcing it now. Everything, even the which I will never understand why somebody wants to force grumpy old Ben's to use HTTPS. It's like, I don't care. There's nothing that needs to be secure. We don't need to add that extra bandwidth. We don't need to add to add the extra overhead. But any website where you're putting your information in, you're hoping is encrypted. So when you go to your bank or if you're buying anything online, all of those connections are encrypted. How So how do you say, well, using encryption is going to be illegal? You can't. You just can't. You can't put it back in the bottle. Encryption well, they, exists. There's freeware. They, they can. Well, you can say uh, it. See, see, well, see also Australia, where didn't they ban encryption there? Was it was was it Australia where they they just straight up said, well, you can't have encryption unless we have the keys to it? I don't know. If that's the case, I, I don't understand how they're using any American website. I it, it was either either they passed that legislation or or their prime minister was was saying that it had to happen or something i don't remember the details but yeah australia is only about two steps ahead of the u.s in in clamping down on uh unrealistic requirements that that send us all back to the age of bakelite phones because we can't use any advanced technology anymore because the government has made everything illegal and it I, just ain't gonna happen i mean the cell phones already are in i mean it's it would be such it's a, a nice awesome fascist regime down there it would be such a step back. There's no way it's going to happen. And there's open source products out there that allow people to encrypt their own stuff, to which everybody you know, I should thought, do. I, coming into this year, I thought that there was no way that for something like uh, a flu that I would be trapped under house arrest with zero symptoms for six months either. So w- when you say there's no way something's going to happen, I- I'm... My my expectations have been shattered with that. I think that the the depths to which our current governments will the the depths of fascism and authoritarianism have been tested, and people are putting up enough with it that uh, the the mini Hitlers in charge of all of our states have become emboldened, and now I'm not allowed to go to a grocery store without a muzzle on. Well, the masks, they make you look better. So that is helpful. DigiGuru in the troll room points out something I think we may have talked about before that Google said they wouldn't even list you if you didn't have HTTPS. And it is. Yeah. This is you, the insanity. You, use DuckDuckGo. Use Bing. Use use Alt, Alta Vista. You know, use anything that isn't Google. Oh, my God. The company is so evil. Because HTTPS does not actually protect you. You're reliant on the people giving out their certificates to be legit. You're relying yeah. on the host for implementing we should the probably stuff, right? get we should probably get progo back on to just reiterate what we said back in what episode 11 or so yes yeah, when, so it was when he early. was on and he because he did a really good teardown of why https is 
a security theater and not particularly useful for anything to secure. Well, a lot of it is security theater. There was a story and Phipps brought this up before the show as a, as a suggestion. It, it was already on my list because I thought this was fascinating. It was a story on, I saw it a couple of places. One of them was bleepingcomputer.com with hackers hiding the JavaScript to steal credit card information, which we know happens all the time because that's a big part of the big problem when you're putting your credit card number in to a variety of websites to buy stuff. If a, web, if a website is taking credit cards, the hackers want onto that website. And a lot of them use things like WordPress. And as we've talked about before, a lot of the plugins on WordPress suck. So if you're running a WordPress site, and I have a few, if you're not specifically using a plugin, or if you don't really, really need that particular plugin, the less you can use, the more secure your site's going to be. But the hackers in this case, to steal the credit card data, I don't know if you saw this. Do you know where they hid the JavaScript? Uh, did Was it a Flash plugin? No, they because well, Flash is going away. Thank God. By the end of the year, <laughs> yeah. Flash is dying. Only, only 15 or 20 years too late. Yeah, this was absolutely ingenious. They hid the JavaScript in the EXIF metadata of the favicon which how how do you even it feels like you'd need a vulnerability to get that to execute you know are, are browsers going out and executing code from your icons now i think so i mean i really think so because as we talked about in the last show one of the biggest problems with websites and loading and speed and all this other crap was the fact that every time you go to a website to load a page it's not uncommon to have like 40 websites being queried for various things. And uh, obviously this is one of them. I just didn't know. How long, how long before you and other listeners to this fine program start to realize that I'm not as crazy as you think I am for doing all of my browsing with JavaScript off by default? No, I mean, there's there's a, a bunch of good reasons to do that. One is you can read a lot of articles on sites that otherwise want to paywall you because they use JavaScript to block you, which is always it makes me laugh. These are like, ha ha, you you have reached your limit. You can't read our article. Ha ha. Give us money. And I go about config JavaScript. off. Oh, look, there's the article. That was rough. Yeah. Well, you, and you don't even need to do that. Install. Uh, um. No script is the plugin that I use, but it's pretty antiquated and also it's a big hammer. Uh, the better one is one called Umatrix, which allows you to selectively turn on and off individual scripts per page, which is pretty damn useful. Yeah, so you can just go, okay, the uh, Chicago Tribune, screw you, don't really don't run it. I yeah. can just read whatever and, I want. And if you want, if you want minimal intrusion, just start with defaulting everything to on because that's what all browsers do anyway and start to turn things off as they annoy you and you will start to realize that a lot of pages get faster a lot of pages get less annoying uh, a lot of pages suddenly become more responsive because you don't have some uh, auto playing garbage loading in the background or or images spinning on the the thread and you're it, it if you I mean, you don't have to go whole hog and default to off. Just default to on and start turning things off, and you will realize how much m having more control over your browsing experience can make things better. Yes, and how you could read things for free that they want to charge you for. But I mean, the 
a d- default to on, you're still leaking personal data and apparently credit card details from your icons. But <laughs> well, this you know, baby steps. Yeah. The, and a new report by malware bites. The article on bleeping computer says an online store using the WordPress WooCommerce plugin. So again, WordPress plugins bad was infected with a mage cart script to steal customers credit cards. What made this attack stand out was that the scripts used to capture data from payment forms were not added directly to the website, but were contained in the EXIF data for a remote site's favicon image. The abuse of image headers to hide malicious code is not new, but this is the first time we witnessed it with a credit card skimmer, malware bites Jerome Segura stated. And, and I I just did a real quick search and uh notice there's there's actually a library on GitHub which allows you to store arbitrary data in an exif and and then retrieve it and uh if you use that and run it through uh you know just an exec because javascript allows you to take any arbitrary string and and run it like it's javascript which by the way uh, just a hint if you're out there developing javascript never do that that is the worst <laughs> security hole you can possibly do some user enters a string and you're like okay i'll just execute this yeah that's a good idea except it's not your website anymore when that happens but yeah but this is genius which is why this is a you know whack-a-mole From a technological game. perspective it's actually fascinating yes and which is why this is all whack-a-mole stuff this is why the concept of getting rid of encryption is idiotic because then nobody would have any security whatsoever and I, you know what i guess that could lead to a much more entertaining world when everybody's cell phones can be hacked and all the pictures that are on there i mean it would make hiding secrets way harder I mean, sure the the, the, when, when you start paying attention to security, the very first thing that you realize is that it has always been and always will be an arms race. Every single time that you develop some new security technique, the the opposite side is going to develop a hack for it. Uh, you know, the last two episodes I had notes I could pull up if you want to hear about it, about a security feature called control flow enhancement technology or enforcement technology in uh, Intel CPUs. And in the context of this, it's a, uh, it's a CPU feature that was developed because there were hacks out there that could not be fixed by operating system code. And so they added a CPU feature to it. And the reason why these hacks had been developed was because operating system code started to get really good at preventing the previous type of hacks and so on. So the, the security threats are always escalating and the security features are always escalating. And that's why everything gets more and more complicated as it goes. Right, which is why we're living in a whole different time now when there are vulnerabilities in the hardware itself, which is something that seemed nearly impossible 20 years ago. It was always a software issue. You never even thought about the fact that the CPU may have been designed in such a way that it could cause you to be yeah. owned. Uh, the, the, in fact, uh, the, the article that I, that I had read, um, the, the control flow enforcement technology was Intel's response to, uh, a, a meltdown inspector, which came out uh, a couple years back, which themselves were vulnerabilities in Intel's last CPU based, uh, security feature called, uh, software guard extensions. And then the question becomes I, how many are out there that we still don't even know about? there's uh, uh, how much software out there has been written <laughs> yes lots it's 
I, I, the, the deep, dark secret that a lot of programmers don't like to talk about is that if you write software, you have written bugs. Well, and, there was there was another thing about how many malware is now in Docker scripts and, you know, so many people use those. I mean, there's a lot of these building blocks, which you have to be really careful where you grab some of this stuff from online just because you're grabbing it from a repository online that seems legit. Uh, you better do your homework and know what yeah, you're adding. That's why I, I only you run code that I wrote myself because there's no bugs in it, obviously. Well, there's no uh there's no malicious code well no that's probably not true either there's just no bugs you found yet we uh, need- no they, they, i i don't like to talk about bugs in my own code in your I just, own i just told own, you programmers don't like to in your own perfection that you create we're waiting for the grumpy old ben's app that then just skims all the other apps and when somebody tries to listen to another podcast they get grumpy old ben's can you, can so you i had out? i had another story uh about legislation oh, no. um and this this one is is legislation that I don't entirely hate, and uh, along the same thing, this one happened to come from a couple of Democrats. Uh, uh, this this came from Ed Markey and Jeff Merkley, who are uh, on in the on the D side of the aisle. Hey, it's Markley and Merkley in the morning. How you doing, everybody? Yeah, they, they, I, just, I did think of that, and then I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> it sounds like so it. Thank thank you for. <laughs> um. The uh, let's see, this particular one is called the Facial Recognition and Biometric Technology Moratorium Act, uh, which it uh, it it is designed to block federal agencies or officials from acquiring, possessing, accessing or using any biometric surveillance system or any information derived from a biometric surveillance system. Uh, it also blocks any federal financial assistance to any state or local agency that uses a biometric surveillance system. Uh, and the, the result of this is I kind of, I kind of like, and it, it, I mean, you can't ever put the genie of technology back in the bottle, but putting the brakes on adoption of facial recognition until we've, uh, a got the technology a little bit better and be the the public are a little bit more used to it and and accepting of it whether or not you think that acceptance is good well, yeah. uh, right now it's it's really scary to people and uh, a well, lot of so. municipalities there, did you see there was an article are, the other day that somebody was picked up because of this the facial recognition stuff and uh, and then it was wrong he wasn't the right guy so the algorithm uh, yeah woo yeah the the technology is not that good and People do not yet fully accept it. I think those two facts are probably related, but there are, especially in the more authoritarian bent parts of government, which at this point I think is all of them, the, there are agencies at the city, state, and federal level who have been jumping on any new piece of technology that allows them to violate people's privacy. And I think that... Uh, Putting the brakes on this, slowing it down a bit, and and letting the technology get better is, from a federal policy level, probably not a bad thing. Now, we're we're never going to get to a point where we uninvent facial recognition, uh, just like any other any other technology. But if maybe we can get to a point where we understand it better, where the general public is a little bit more uh, aware of of the concerns and implications of it, and also where they um maybe fix some of the bugs in it and in fact uh you know well uh, lest i praise 
anybody with a D next to their name too much for coming up with this law, this proposed law, which I think has a good effect. Um, the reason that they decided to ban facial recognition has nothing to do with protecting individual rights or because it is an unhealthy expansion of government. No, being politicians, these people are, of course, all in for uh, trampling people's rights and overexpanding government. The reason why they want to put the brakes on facial recognition is because it's discriminatory toward blacks. <laughs> well, and rioters and looters, they don't want them picked up. Yes. That said, regardless of of how they got to the point, I I think that getting to the point deserves some recognition, and I'm I'm looking forward to something like this happening. At the federal level, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. There's going to be a whole lot of pushback, especially from law enforcement agencies like the corrupt FBI, who want to use every technology at their disposal in order to turn everybody in the country into criminals. Well, yeah, however, there's, there's a funny quote on that one too when it came to uh, when it came to Julian Assange. But I do believe when it comes to facial recognition and the George Floyd riots, I do believe a reckoning is coming. I do believe that enough data was collected, enough evidence was collected. A lot of people don't realize. Oh yeah. There's going to be years of consequences to what's happened over this year. Well, a lot of people don't realize that that if you go into a different state, if you travel from one state to another with the sole purpose of rioting, that is a federal offense. So uh, especially especially if they can tie you to Antifa, who during this, uh, it, it didn't seem like the most important thing, but it might have one of the most legal repercussions, which was when the the president administration declared that Antifa was a terrorist group. And that has a lot of legal baggage with it, which includes if they can tie you to this and they can pin you crossing state lines to do anything. If you cross state lines to go get a a gallon of gas and they can demonstrate that you were with Antifa when you did it. um, There are, there's some serious hammers that can come down from that. Yes, especially if you were putting that gas into a glass bottle with a rag and then lighting it. <laughs> Indeed. Just saying. Uh, so the, the only other thing I had on the facial recognition was uh, to point out there is, uh, for, for exactly the same reason, there was uh, a law. This was not a proposed law. This one actually passed in the city of Boston, which has prohibited any city official from obtaining facial surveillance data directly or through third parties. And again, their reasoning of the Boston City Council was it has an obvious racial bias and that's dangerous, but it also has sort of a chilling effect on civil liberties. So massive applause to yet another blue state city who at least acknowledged that civil liberties are still a thing. And I know that had to be difficult for them and go against all of their their instincts to even remember that civil liberties is, is a phrase that some people care about. Um, but, but good on them for coming to the right conclusion, even if their reasoning reasoning is stupid. Yeah, and digi guru in the troll room says that these facial recognition things have more problems with people of color. And is, I don't know as that it is now is that that, that is racist Sorry. in which way because i would think if most of the time you don't want to be recognized i mean you and i would walking down the street be like i don't want these things to recognize me if i can opt out 
So how is it racist? It seems like it would be racist against white people. Well, it's it's discriminatory regardless of which direction. And if you don't use the new term definition of the term racist, then being discriminatory is enough. But regardless, yes, it is. It is an interesting and uh, probably unfortunate characteristic of of these systems that they seem to be able to recognize white faces far easier than black faces. And if you if you ascribe the benefit of the doubt to the law enforcement agencies which are using this and assume that they will only arrest somebody based on a guaranteed positive match, then you're going to be letting dark skinned people go. If, however, you ascribe malice to these people who are willing to arrest based on a 75% match, then you're going to have a lot of false positives and those are going to hit dark skinned people more. So which way does the racist racism go? Well, it's not the technology that's racist. It, it would be the people using the technology and applying it. You know, technologies can't be racist. People can. And I guess whoever is, you know, having your face recognized does not in fact infringe your rights. Uh, but when somebody decides to take that information and choose to arrest you based on that, um, that impacts your rights, especially if it was a false positive. Well, it is. But it also comes down to a combination of all of these sources, as we've talked about, meaning even if the facial recognition, if a guy's walking down the street of Chicago at the time of a shooting and the camera picks him up and it's like, well, we think this might be Bemrose, but it's only 50 percent. Well, you know, they're going to pull up your cell phone records. And if that your cell phone was also in the same position, then you're pretty much screwed, which is the problem. it is it is righteous law enforcement if they use multiple signals and come to uh, the the legal standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, and, and in that case, it is the righteous exercise of law enforcement. And if I have, in fact, been, you know, attending an Antifa rally or something, uh, then they would be right once they've taken the facial recognition data and cross referenced it with other signals to approach. You didn't get into uh, the chats yet? I, you know, I actually, I skipped out on that particular no agenda <laughs> meetup. I, I did not have confidence in my ability to pass as a, a, a fragile white snowflake. <laughs> right. A leftist. And I have even less confidence in my, in my ability to not say what I think when passing the, the gatekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been entertaining. I mean, I might have been it, it looking for a been, new co-host, but entertaining nonetheless as long as somebody had video of it yeah well somebody would have video of it and that video would probably be pasted on tiktok somewhere but and they're finally uh, going to be breaking this up because now business i mean this i applaud the businesses in that area that are now suing the city saying screw you you screwed our business where was the police where was our protection you left us to fend for ourselves and now we want you to pay and this is this is yet another example of you know the 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 knee jerk culture right. moves quickly the legal system moves slowly but the legal system is going to move and we're going to have 5 or 10 years of fallout from decisions that have been made in the last 6 months and rightfully so yeah i, I mean there's there's a lot of people who have done a lot of very illegal things including uh your governor and mine um and there's going to be results 
the the first thing that I hope happens is is that uh, a whole lot of state governors are going to be thrown out on their asses because the the regular citizens who really just want to be left alone uh, are are sick of this virtue signaling. I, I don't have a lot of confidence it will happen everywhere, not necessarily on the left coast, but or Illinois or anywhere the Democrats yeah. have such a stronghold. But when you mentioned well, the uh, uh, Illinois is is honorary left coast. When you mentioned the three letter agencies and maybe not being uh, not being legit, we know the FBI is going through some stuff right now. The Julian Assange case is interesting. It's been going on for a long time, but it's had a couple new things added now which was him conspiring with Lulzsec and the anonymous hacking group. So they're adding on some of this stuff as far as him conspiring. They handed data back and forth. We know that. Yes. But the quote from the DOJ, I thought was great. It said, with respect to one target, Assange asked the Lulzsec leader to look for, and then of course provide to WikiLeaks, mail and documents, databases, and PDFs. In another communication, Assange told the Lulsec leader that the most impactful release of hack materials would be from the CIA, the NSA, or the New York Times. Now, which of those three just don't seem to kind of fit in? That the yeah, most- I don't think the CIA is quite up up to the level of propaganda and and nefariousness of the other two. You have the New York Times. But it's interesting to see what they were what they were targeting. And a lot of people want to make out, and I'm torn on the Assange thing. One, I don't know enough of exactly went down because I do believe in the freedom of the press. And I believe if Assange was given some things, even if they were were gotten illegally. I I believe in freedom of speech. The press should just be uh, an addendum, a special case to that. But it's different if the person releasing the information, in this case, Assange, was paying hackers to do illegal things to get it. That does change the landscape a bit. And I mean that could be a whole show in and the in I, the morality I, of that. Are you the, suggesting that that New York Times, Washington Post, uh National Enquirer don't also just pay people for their stories? I mean, that sounds like journalism to me. Stories, but they don't pay them to break into government agencies to get the stories. That you know of. <laughs> well, yeah. But again, this like with the police you're talking about, the same Hello, thing here. Hello, Watergate. Well, that was just idiocy. And what happened uh, more recently, Ed, you know, you want to talk about the Watergate thing, but then you don't want to talk about the Hillary Clinton emails. I mean, and what they did to Trump with, there's also stuff coming there, and that's going to be really interesting now that Flynn yeah. has been fully given the, okay, you're free, you're clear. And yeah, well, and how about the part that Obama was complicit as well? Well, not only was Obama complicit, but I, they're never really going to go want after, that to have results. Yeah, they're never going to go after a former president. Never. So Obama, no matter what he did, is insulated, rightfully so, because then the United States looks like the shit show that we are. But Joe yeah, Biden, I, I, I presbys- you know, that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be against that one either. But Biden, I, I'd be OK with they win a win against a. Went after a a former vice president and a former secretary of state who are both highly corrupt. Well, with Biden actually being the guy that brought up the Logan Act and kind of seems like he was putting this the the wheels in motion, and now he's playing demented Uncle Joe with. I don't remember ever anything like that at all. Well, the proof is coming out. I do think that Trump is not a moron. 
And I do believe there's going to be an election surprise. I do think some of this stuff is going to hit at just the right time. And if Joe Biden is taken out with charges that have some kind of weight behind them of, you know, he did this illegally, you're going to have, uh, you know, like I said, shit show, yeah. but I, it'll be entertaining. I, I, I agree that Trump is not a moron, uh, but more importantly, he has smart people doing strategy for him and uh, as one should in that position. Uh, the most dangerous thing about Donald Trump and the reason why he is so frightening to the political establishment is that he gives zero fucks. <laughs> he yes. doesn't care what people think of him. He doesn't care what people say about him. And and this completely neutralizes most of the things that force anybody in Washington, D.C. into playing politics. And I... I Right, because whether Trump's end game was supposed to be four years or eight is irrelevant because, as you said, he doesn't care. He's doing what he thinks is right, whether that's misguided or not. People can argue, but yeah, you, you can argue whether or not what he what he thinks is right is right, but he's doing what he thinks is right. He doesn't care about the process involved. He is going in and just he's like, I want to get things done and you're in my way. And when people like and, Nancy and he, Pelosi are saying literally, we're not taking her out of context. We're not putting words into her mouth when she says specifically the GOP is trying to get away with the murder of George Floyd. That is just <laughs> evil. That is not demented. That is not Nancy's confused. That's not Nancy's misguided. This is the kind no, of she's stuff just that needs Californian. To be, yeah. And this stuff needs to be cleaned up. Well, if you ever want the country to work, and I think it can, this kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up and politics needs to be, you know, reformed in a way where, again, fight for six months every four years. But then the other three and a half year time period, get crap done for the people of the United States. I don't care what letters in front of your name. Everybody that lives here deserves equal protections and everybody that lives here deserves a government that isn't a bunch of crybaby bitches who have been trying to impeach a president since the day he was elected. You know, nor, now, now it, you've just entered fantasy land. <laughs> Why? We're hoping this could actually happen once again. I think it happened for a while at the beginning of this country. You know, when there was a bunch of racist assholes in charge, like George yeah, Washington. And, and that, and, well, that's because we. You know, a, a large number of people finally got fed up with the corrupt bureaucracy and went and said, you know what? We're going to go create our own government with blackjack and hookers. We're going to create our own <laughs> new bureaucracy that's going to eventually fall. Yeah, apart. well, it, it I mean, 200 years later, apparently bureaucracy flourishes in places like that. Yes. But at least at the start, they, you know, they had some pretty good ideas. That is true. And we hope we can get back to them. But it, I think it really would so, take. People being engaged with the reality of the situation and not listening to sound bites that are full of crap. And I don't know if that will ever happen to get people actually engaged in understanding what's going on. So, so I had I had one last story and it is a, a real tech story. Uh, and uh, I, I just uh, you remember how uh, Windows 7 had been cut loose by Microsoft. They're like, sorry, you get no more security no more you know no more updates nothing you're you're just on your own right you're the redheaded stepchild now you're yeah. you're out um and 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 they, they you know they clearly really meant it uh 
Windows 7 is getting one more update. Woo! Surprise, it's Microsoft Edge. <laughs> oh, so the browser is what's wrong it's, with that operating system. It's coming system. in coming in from Windows Update, and it is marked important, and you've heard me rant about Microsoft's marking things as important updates that are are not that important. They're only important to the team who released it. And in this case, uh, they have decided that Windows Update is going to push to everybody in win- on Windows 7 and Windows 8 an important update, which installs the Chromium version of Microsoft Edge. Now, when I read this, my first thought was, didn't Microsoft say that we weren't going to give you any more security updates? And if you continue using Windows 7, then you are your system is now wide open to malware. Right, it's your party. Well, and congratulations, here else. it comes. Yeah, well, they're adding. They're giving you Microsoft. Yeah. At least when you're getting the malware, you can use Microsoft Edge. Yeah, so now Windows Update is giving you the malware. <laughs> well, that makes it more convenient. Yes. They so, know how to, okay, they know if, how to market. If you're still using Windows 7, your system is wide open to malware. Apparently, if you leave Windows Update on, Microsoft is going to push you some because you are getting the Chromium version of Microsoft Edge. <laughs> um, and then uh, the the other thing, just... Just insult to injury because this this sort of thing absolutely infuriates me that Microsoft is presumptuous enough to do this with all of their software is that after install, it will also pin edge to the taskbar, put a shortcut on your desktop, and when you launch a URL, it will prompt you to make edge your default browser. So they're doing the full court press. And why, you may ask? And I think the answer, I mean, again, I haven't read this article and I don't know this for certain. But I'm guessing very strongly is Microsoft has a deal with at least Google, if not also uh, DuckDuckGo or anybody else that pays for referral traffic. And they're getting that when people do a search in Edge. Oh, yeah. You know, there's money being exchanged. Right. Which is we talked about even even in the Windows team. Nobody there wants to go touch the old Windows 7 code anymore. No, but a lot so of people they're doing know. this. I mean, we talked about that with Firefox. Remember way back that for when the Firefox first started making money, nobody even really knew that it was going on. Every time you went to Google and did a search that Firefox was getting a kickback because you were using their browser, you know, or use the search bar. It's like there has to be something in Microsoft Edge that is it can't be Bing because that's Microsoft paying Microsoft. But it has to be a deal with Google or something where they're getting paid off. I don't know the details. Uh, the The next time that I go hang out with some of my old coworkers in the Windows team, uh, they, in fact, uh, at least one of them, my old manager, says he now listens to this show. So, hi, Steve. He is probably going to come back, and I will hear about it. He'd be like, "Yeah, you got that completely wrong." And, and, and then Steve, he'll explain to me why. If you can, like, redirect like one out of every ten thousand searches to a grumpy old Ben's account, and it just kind of acquires that you could like send us once a month or so. That would be great. Uh, yeah, Steve's not like that. Damn it, Steve! Why aren't you like that, Steve? We need uh, the, the help. He's he's one of those infuriating people who has very strong moral principles. Oh, he's an ethics. honest guy. Oh, yeah. Forget yeah. it, Steve. We'd cut you in. There could be hookers and blow. You never know. So yeah, um, that I just felt like I had to. We we are grumpy old Ben's after all. I felt like I had to bring a tech story. We do talk tech every now and then. We talk the world. We talk the world from a tech guy's perspective, and it seems people are liking it. We did an extra show again this past week on Monday. So this is Friday, and a Monday we had John Fletcher 
as a donor. We love John Fletcher of the Hog Story Fletchers. Today, we have a new donor who came in at 25 bucks. His name is Arnaud Langerak, and I know I'm butchering it. He's from the Netherlands. He says, hi, just discovered your show, and I'm loving it. It reminds me a lot of the conversations I have on my shooting range. So it's like we want to go out and shoot guns with our note. No doubt about you know, that's it. That's one thing I don't think we've done live on Grumpy Old Ben's was shoot any guns. No. Well, that would make it a little hard. I mean, I could you, do it. I've got the. Well, uh, you have you have cocked a slide into the microphone. <laughs> yes. Um, but I don't think we've actually discharged any weapons. No, I would which have is to probably good. Rem- I don't need more holes in my walls. Yeah, but- I would, it would have to be done remotely with the Zoom recorder, and that might get hard to understand. But I mean, for some. Uh, you know, for some B-roll, we could definitely get uh, some of that audio recorded. He did say, missed those conversations during the Rona. And if you ever get to Amsterdam, and he gave us a link to his uh, where he shoots. So if we ever get to Amsterdam, we're going to go shoot guns. Maybe we can get Void out there. Does Void like to shoot this, guns? This this might be the this person who just joined the No Agenda chat. Well, that would you mean the troll room? Or the, yeah, in the troll room. Well, yeah. Well, that would be good. Welcome to the troll room. Welcome. And uh, thank you for your support of Grumpy Old Bands. And again, today coming in, we also have Harry Hamster, and we appreciate the support from the furry little rodent who refuses on principle to put a P into his name just to make the little millennials happy. That story still makes me laugh. Well, I was taught how to do it that way, so it must be right. (laughs) It's like, no, that's the problem with the world today. Just because you were taught something does not make it right. And there's well, no, a lot, we, but, but we were also taught to defer to authority in all things. And the teacher is the authority. So obviously you, you have to defer if, even if you're being taught wrong, if it's somebody you've been told is an authority figure and you've been taught to defer to authority. And if you see, want the grade, see how it's such a great cycle. Yes. If you want your grade, you will admit, you will lie. You will just say, yes, you will put the right answer down on your test and then you will move yeah, got, into the real world. I, I think one of the reasons why I didn't do as well as I could have in public school was I got into some famous arguments with my teachers. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the good teachers would be the ones that want to debate you, that want you to be engaged, and the crappy teachers, and there are a lot more of them, it seems, just want to shut you down. And that is that is a big problem of what's wrong in the United States right now. That is the one place there is, and it's on economic lines more than really racial lines but of course then the poorer communities are hit harder but if we could really work on serious education reform the country would be in a lot better place on so many different levels but again this is a system that requires people to put something into it kind of like our value for value model we give you the show and you give us something back and it works Education is really the same way. If parents have children and they don't teach them the value of getting an education and how it's going to help them, if you're taught from an early age that you don't even need to learn math or a language or anything, and you could just sit on your ass and the government will provide, you're going to have a different life. Parents treating public schools like daycare and expecting them to raise the kids for you is that is another rant entirely that I'll spare you because we're already over two hours. <laughs> we'll throw that in to a future program, which you'll always find on grumpyoldbens.com, which is also the place you can go if you want to get involved in this value for value thing and send a donation our way. 
You can do that via PayPal. You can do that via Bitcoin. You can do that via snail mail address. You can do it via patreon.com slash grumpy old Ben's, whatever system works for you. Pop money. We had somebody use pop money. So all of these things are options. If you want to help out, I, we appreciate I, I it. I could use some pot money. You can pot. No, pot oh, money's pop. different. And you've already admitted oh. you're not one of those guys. So I don't know, unless you're like buying pots to make your chicken cordon blues or something. No. And I could use some new pots now, and pans. Now you're making honest. me hungry. Yeah, well, it is almost lunchtime. So with that, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where there may be gunfire outside, but damn it, no planes are trying to get me. And from America's left coast, where I could use some rain, but not the manure type. I'm Ryan Bemrose. That would suck. <laughs>